You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to Fly in the Call. Today, we're taking a trip down under to chat with Sydney, Australia's Yours Truly. The band spent the bulk of last year touring across the world and wrapped up the recording of their debut album, Self Care, just before the pandemic brought their plans to stay on the road for most of 2020 to a halt. Self Care covers the highs and lows, the elation, anxiety, and everything in between that comes with the early successes that the band has had, and just life in general. We talk about all that and more, so sit back and enjoy. I know you you finished up the album kind of like right before the the kind of lockdown started and you know there's sort of a race to get as much kind of content ready as possible so you could have you know as much of a normal rollout as possible um I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit more about that process and you know kind of reflect on it now that you know you're in the home stretch of it um yeah um it was a bit of a race um to get you know everything done and you know going in and out of lockdowns and stuff like that um, you know, trying to get trying to get things done and trying to like, you know, change things, um, you know, and kind of like evolve with, you know, with the times of like, you know, with, you know, oh, we can, you know, we're going to have to do something animated for this and, you know, and like um, just kind of, you know, really just working with what was happening. It was a challenge, but I feel like we're grateful that it pushed us to try new things. I know that like 2019 was kind of, you know, nonstop for you guys um, and with the, with the full stop of 2020 kind of, you know, forcing you in some ways to, you know, kind of take that t- extra time to, you know, regroup. Um, how has it kind of been, you know, that transition from, you know, one extreme to the other? Um, I, it's, it's been kind of hard because, you know, you get used to living this certain way where you're so busy all the time and then, to kind of not be busy is that, you know, it, it sucks, you know, and like, I think it, you know, does a lot, makes you sit and it like does a lot to like, you know, your thought process and, you know, and to feel kind of like you're working towards something that's not like, you know, that you can't, you can't reach or like, you know, it's not tangible and stuff. And that, you know, that's hard. Um, I just think that, you know, we're really aching to, you know, to start, working again start touring again I think that the fact that we've had this album to work towards has really given us some sanity during all this and I feel like if we would have just had that pause with nothing to do I think it would have been a little bit harder for us yeah so I mean has the kind of the year that has been 2020 so far um you know how how do you think it kind of would have compared if you know things were more normal like how how was how were you kind of feeling about the album rollout you know before things started to uh, changed the way they did. I think we were really um, banking on 2020 being like the best year ever, um, like everyone. 
um, you know, to have, you know, the app, we had so many cool tours happening. Um, we're pretty much supposed to be touring all year this year, um, you know, and to, you know, really push and push the album and to have gone like literally all around the world before we even released the album and then to release it and then to start touring again. Um, so I think that, you know, and it's kind of scary to think that, you know, you're putting out an album that you don't know when you're going to be able to tour it. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's, um, it's a bit, I don't know, it makes it, it doesn't make it feel as real. It's not really like your proper understanding of a release. Um, yeah, I think we're really counting on a lot of those tours to give us that, like that extra, you know, to meet those extra people, those extra people around the world to see us that, you know, probably wouldn't really care about the album that might, might see us playing, like, oh, cool, like an album coming out and that, you know, didn't get to happen for us to see up for the album, but you know, we've done all that we can to kind of make up for that. Yeah, and how's that kind of like looked at? What kind of like connections have you made with you know potential fans and you know other uh, other bands and everything like that? How's that kind of evolved? I think the social media is so important. Um, you know, it's a good way to keep in contact with everyone, and I feel like you know um, we're just trying. We we just tried to be. We just try to be present online and try to talk to people and try to see what people are saying. Um, like the other day we put out, like we have like a mailing list and we put out this video has been like, if you have anything that you want us to do, like let us know. Like if you want to see anything, if you want like a live stream, if you want like, like whatever you think will be fun for you to like to see or to be a part of, like let us know because we want to, you know, we want to make this as enjoyable for everyone. And if we can, you know, help someone or like, you know, you know, make something interesting for like, you know, a fan or something like that, then like, we'll definitely do that. And I think it's, you know, cool to see what other people want. Yeah. And I mean, what have uh, some of the, the ideas that kind of came out of that? What, what were some of the, the standout ones? I think mostly everyone is just like really likes like full band live streams. I feel like that's like the thing that everyone, um, everyone's really excited about. And even um, here in, here in Sydney, we're allowed to do like socially distanced shows. So we've actually gone and, you know, put, we've gone and put two of those on. They haven't happened yet. They're happening next month. But, um, yeah, so we're, I guess we're lucky that we can do that here. Um, you know, everyone's going to be seated and stuff like that. So, it's, you know, it's all, it's all very socially distanced, which, you know, isn't ideal. But, you know, if it, you know, it's going to be something cool to celebrate the album with. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen you kind of talk about how, you know, it's a little bit bittersweet, you know, releasing your debut album and not being able to, you know, celebrate it the, the traditional way of, you know, touring on it and playing in front of all these faces. Um, curious, what are kind of like some of the things you're planning to do to celebrate like personally on Friday? Um, so we're going to have like a small little gathering, um, just of, like us and our families and like some of our, like, you know, that, that Stevie produced the album um, and, you know, just, you know, some close people because, you know, here we're allowed to have like a certain amount of people like in a space. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to do something small. And then I think the boys and I want to do something the night before, but we haven't really, um, we haven't really organized it yet. I think we're gonna, I'm seeing them after this. So I think we're going to organize it then. <laughs> nice, nice. In the bio, it kind of mentions, you know, feelings of imposter syndrome, which, you know, I, I think everyone kind of experiences that in, in some form or another throughout their lives. But um, I can especially understand that considering the kind of huge jump between Too Late for Apologies and Afterglow and up till now. Can you like bring me back a little bit to the time period, like around Too Late for the Apologies in between then and Afterglow and kind of like talk about some of the milestones that were hit then and some of your feelings about them? Yeah, um, it feels so long ago. Like, I just feel like I've been in this band forever. So thinking back to that, like, feels so, so long ago. Um, 
I remember putting out that EP and like, you know, it just coming out and just being like, yeah, well, it's out. And like, you know, people, you know, I don't think really anyone really cared because <laughs> we were young, you know, it was our brand, it was our first EP and we hadn't really done much. And then we just said, you know, slowly we started, you know, getting on like, you know, small shows and then eventually we got our first tour. And then we just started like doing more and more. And then I remember releasing the music video for Strange. And I remember like all of us like sitting in my backyard and like wanting to hear it on the radio. And it was the first time we'd ever been played on the radio, which was very, very cool. And um, I just remember we were just all really, really like determined. I remember we were just like, it's just all we wanted. And like everything just felt like, you know, it didn't feel like it was, you know, like, like that in the next like two years we were going to have like the success that we had, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, how did that kind of momentum can really start to build? It was definitely um, after we released High Hopes. We, um, I remember that song got like 100,000 plays in like 10 days like on, on YouTube, which was like wild. And then I remember just like after that, that was just kind of like when, I mean, we, yeah, um, we started talking to like management and like labels and like straight away because we you know we had been working like on, you know, on the EP. Like, and so we kind of like, you know, had kind of had all these other songs and then we just started you know we just started chatting to people and then we started getting like more tour offers more show offers we got offered unify which is like festival here and yeah and i think that one song really was just like the thing for us you know that you know kind of people were like oh crap like they've got like all like these like these views on this song and like i don't know all of a sudden we're just being taken like a little bit more seriously how was it kind of you know, transitioning into that, that role, kind of being forced into it in a way of like taking the band even more seriously and kind of really like looking at it in a new light. I think because we were also eager to like, to be doing it, that for us, we kind of just like stepped right into it. And it was like, there was no, there was no complaints. It was like, all right, let's do it. You know, like, this is our opportunity. Like, we don't know, like, you know, we got to take the opportunity now because, you know, it could die down and everything that, you know, we built towards is just gone. So let's just go for it. And that's exactly what we did. And I'm so happy that we did because I feel like if it wasn't for like the work ethic that we had then, I don't think we'd be where we are now. Yeah. And what were some of the kind of like uh, the major like steps for you that you feel like kind of solidified that for you? I think it was just two years of just constant touring like, we just toured so much that, like, I just don't even feel like we were home, you know, barely. Like, especially last year, we were barely home. I think, yeah, I think definitely, like, touring, like, we've always, like, you know, we've always thrived touring. That's always been, like, the thing that I feel like has always pushed us across the line, has always made us, like, stronger, is because we, you know, we have just been able to handle it. And I think, you know, we're really, really lucky because, you know, like, especially when you do longer tours that you're not used to because in Australia, like, we're, we're quite a small country, you know, like, we're big in size, we don't have that many cities. And so I think that we were really lucky that we just, we just push ourselves and everyone, the band is, like, really determined and I'm really lucky the guys are, like, you know, that what they, they all really want it. So, um, yeah, I think that's, like, the main thing for us that, like, you know, that helped us get through all that was just, you know, being stoked to be around. I feel like everyone's kind of hurting for live shows. So I'm curious, could you take us back, you know, back to the live show? What, what kind of is like the Yours Truly Live experience like? What is it that kind of gets their attention and gets them to be fans? I think that um, we just, I like to think that we just have like a lot of energy um, and a lot of people that like, you know, that like friends that have come to see us play or like even people that we've met like after shows have always just said that, you know, 
that we all look stoked and that we're all like, you know, there's a lot of energy coming from the stage. And I think that, you know, when you're on there for like half an hour, that's half an hour to give you your everything. And I think that that's kind of the way that, that the way that we see it is just to, you know, just to work as hard as possible, you know, play as well as possible, entertain people as much as possible. And I think that's kind of like, you know, I think that that passion and that energy, like people notice it. It's interesting that you're saying like how you're super into it, super, you know, excited and dedicated for it and everything. And at the same time, you know, kind of part of what's dealt with in self-care is, you know, kind of the the negative feelings that you were feeling at the same time that, you know, all these positive things were going on and kind of like the guilt that kind of comes with that in a way too. Um, I'm curious what you can kind of tell me about, you know, about those feelings and processing through them with the writing of the album and everything. Yeah, I um, I think that, you know, at the same time as being like so excited to like, you know, to be there, I think there was a part of us that we like just, you know, we felt young, we felt, you know, that we didn't deserve some of the, like these amazing opportunities that we were given because, you know, you know, we as maybe was like, oh, because like we've only been a band for this many years and like, you know, we've only, you know, we had once and was really well, like, do we deserve these opportunities that we're being given? Um, I think, you know, it's hard and you're sitting in a room and you don't really have a lot of experience and you're sitting there with a whole bunch of bands that have so much experience and you just like, and you don't. And I think that sometimes it's easy to get that like imposter syndrome and going into doing the album, it was a lot of, there was a lot of anxiety of being like, are, are we going to be able to prove ourselves or are we just going to look like we didn't belong to be there? And it was like, these songs need to be so good to really solidify ourselves and to make us look, you know, like, 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 like we're like, we're worth it. And that, you know, we are actually, you know, we are actually good enough. Yeah. It kind of mentioned like the, the feelings of, you know, a, a feeling kind of guilty for feeling having these negative feelings when, you know, so much was going on. What was like the mindset behind laying it all out on the line and kind of like being, having those heart on your sleeve, you know, lines and, you know, showing that you're feeling that way, despite the fact that, you know, potentially people could, you know, it could turn around on you and people could be like, well, you sound, you're ridiculous for like saying that when, you know, you're in such a successful band. Um, yeah, I think that's is really valid because I feel like, you know, some people could be like, oh, like, you know, you feel like that and, you know, but um, I think it's really important to be honest and I feel that's something the way I've always tried to do lyrically. Um, I've never written a song that I don't feel is honestly from me. And it's even like in like the song Vivid Dreams come like all about this. It's kind of like, you know, like it's like it's so exciting to be doing this and we really have no idea like what's going to happen now. But like, we're just on this ride and we're honest and it's it's we're really enjoying it. We don't want to go anywhere. But um, yeah, like I think that's why I really want to approach the album just being like, this is my life. Like this is literally like my diary. Like it's open. You can read it. And I feel like that's something that people appreciate about the songs and that like they're relatable to people. And I know that I sometimes like that's, that's what I love about music. I love listening to albums and sitting in my car and driving being like, yes, I went through the same thing. Like, like you know, even if it's like from a different situation, it's like the way that you were, the way that you um, translate those lyrics to yourself and the way that the things that they make you think of and the thoughts that they, they provoke in you. And I think that's exactly what I wanted to do with the album. And like, regardless of whether that means people think a certain way of me or people know too much about me, that's fine because I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, it's really interesting to me the way that like, I, I definitely connect with bands that, that are like hyper specific about, you know, their lives. And, you know, even though it's like, that's not my life, like I, I can't make a one-to-one correlation between what you're saying and what 
you know, what I've experienced, but like the, like you said, the way that you can kind of then expand it and be like, okay, I've been in a situation like this. I felt similar things. And I feel like that kind of gives you a much deeper connection to the band. The fact that it is like so specific um, instead of like, you know, in in the more general, like broad sense. Yeah, I feel like there are so many different songs that cater to so many different things. And I feel like this album for me was, you know, take it, take it for like what you want, like take the lyrics and translate them to like however you feel fit. But like, you know, this, this is something that I went through, you know, and this is, these are things that I discovered and maybe some songs aren't as clear as others. And, you know, I, like, I can be quite direct in my lyrics. But yeah, I think, you know, it was a, it was a huge healing process for me. So if someone, if it can be, you know, if it can aid in a healing process for someone else and I've done my job. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, taking it back to kind of like the beginning of self-care, um, I know that Half of Me was like the first song that you wrote for the album, kind of right after their Afterglow EP was done. And you weren't even necessarily sure that it was going to end up on the album. What can you kind of tell me about like the process of that one and how it came to be? Um, so I remember Lockie playing me like this, like, this thing on guitar and I remember just being like that's really pretty and he was like yeah like it is and I remember just like singing something over it and then he'd be like yeah like that's cool he's like let me like go home and like record it and so I remember like a couple of weeks later he just like sent me an email and I had like that song and another song in like in the email and I remember just like tracking I remember just tracking that song and that song kind of just like sitting sitting with us for a couple of years and that's a song that like you know when we like sit down and we like would like sound check or like we would sit down somewhere and he would get his guitar it it would just be a song that we would sing like we would play together and uh it went through so many changes because I think like you know the where I was sitting where I was in my life like when we wrote that song 2018 um I mean like I was in a very different position in my life and the way that I thought about that whole situation in 2020 so in between like those like two years, the song went through like so many lyrical changes. And it's why sometimes it feels like it's a little bit everywhere because it's like, it's kind of like a bad of a course of a, re- of a relationship over two years. And I mean, you mentioned like the, the lyrical changes. Were there any kind of like lines that ended up uh, hitting the cutting room floor that you kind of wish could have stayed in? No, because I feel like the ones that like that didn't, that didn't stay are the ones that I felt like had to go, you know? And I didn't, you know, and I feel like, you know, even though that's, it's about a relationship that I'm no longer in and I was no longer in that relationship when we recorded the album as well. And so it kind of like half of the song kind of sounds like, you know, I'm still in it and half of the song is like, you know, I'm no longer in it kind of thing. But I feel like, you know, my whole concept of that was like, well, that was how I once felt. So why am I not going to sing about something that I once went through? You know, and a lot, lots of people like don't. And I'm sure that one day I'll grow up and I'll be like, oh, like I don't want to like talk about these things that I went through when I was like 19, 20 years old. But um, I, know, I just kind of think like that's something that I went through and something that I learned from. And it is something that like, you know, like I struggled with, like, you know, over those years and, you know, in, in that 2019, like it was something that like something that bothered me throughout that year. And something that I had to come to terms with, and I had never really gone through something like that before. And um, yeah, and I I think that yeah, like I just didn't want to. It's like the whole thing of like wearing your heart on your sleeve. It's like you know, no bullshit. Like that's just what I went through. Sure. Yeah, and I mean that that process of kind of constant revision is that something that's kind of typical for your writing process? Not really. No. Like I think a lot of the songs kind of like stayed the way they are. Like I think because that song was like so old for us. 
And I think that our writing, like, especially like my, my lyric writing has gotten better. Like, thank God, um, over the years. So, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, it wouldn't, if the song had stayed the way that it originally was like two years ago, it, like, I don't think that it would have done the music justice if the lyrics would have stayed the same. For sure. Yeah. And, um, Another one of like the tracks that kind of stood out to me was Undersize, um, which I feel like shows kind of a different side of the band and almost has like a vintagey feel to it. Uh, can you tell me about how that one came together? Yeah, so that was the only song we wrote um, when like when we were recording the album. So all the other songs were kind of like done before we went in, but that was the one song we wrote in the studio. Um, because I remember we were just like missing a song. Like it was like, it was like something's missing from this album don't know what it is and I, I remember just like I was I told the boys I was like it's a song it's like a, a taste breaker song it's like we're missing the song that like that should doesn't work with the other songs you know what I mean and I think that that was kind of like why I wrote that song was because it just like it needed like another layer and it didn't have that it didn't have a song that had that vibe it didn't have a song that had that feel to it and I like I love in albums when there's like that one song on the album that like is just different from the other ones. And I, just, I, just, I felt like we just didn't have it. And I remember one night I was telling the boys, like, it, the album, I remember like, oh, yeah, the album's done. I was like, the album's not done. Like, we, we're missing one more. And then we wrote Undersized the next day and then end up being, like, one of my favourite songs. That's awesome. Yeah, and, I mean, you mentioned kind of, like, thinking about it as an album, which I feel like, you know... <laughs> these days you know some bands are very much single oriented and some bands are very much album oriented um i'm curious what kind of like your mindset is um regarding that kind of stuff um well I, it's it's funny because i've never really been like i mean i love you know, i love listening to albums but i've never really been like a sit down listen to the album from song one to like the end kind of thing like i've always been like when i was growing up i just put everything on a shuffle which i know is so horrifying to so many people but yeah, like, and it, for me, I, I just never really like appreciated, I never really appreciated the thought of like an album, but I think like re- recording and like writing and recording this album has made me appreciate albums. Like now when I listen to them, I listen to them from like beginning to end. Cause I feel like now, like I know what the experience is of like actually doing that. And I feel like and it makes sense to me now of like why things are done in a collection of songs and why like you know and why they're not just done as like singles because I feel like you know an album is a journey an album is you know is a is a body of work um and then yeah like it's it's something that like I definitely like learned to appreciate when when writing the album it just felt right to like you know be like we need one more we need undersize like we need that one more song and I didn't really know that that was because of an album thing it just like I just felt like we just felt that it was missing it and I think that's kind of like, I think what's really special about albums, it's like a whole, it's like a whole journey. Yeah, for sure. I'm very much an album person myself. So I think it's really, it's really cool that you kind of like, even though you weren't necessarily an album person, that you kind of had that, that feel, that idea, like, okay, this, you kind of knew what a cohesive album was and you wanted to make it, even though that wasn't necessarily like your preferred way of listening. Yeah, no, you just learn, I guess. Was there anything else about kind of like the process of transitioning from, you know, the first two EPs into a, the the full length that kind of surprised you? Um, I think it just, I think that maybe if we hadn't put so much pressure on ourselves, um, it would maybe been a little bit easier. I think if we put so much pressure on ourselves to, you know, write like this, you know, to write 10 absolute smash singles, like, you know, like these like 10 huge songs. And I've just thought that an album is not that. 
um, which is what I was saying like before, like, you know, I've never really been like a, you know, song one to song 10 kind of person. Like my, these are the six songs and I will save the songs that I like kind of thing. And I think that, yeah, I think that like, you know, I didn't really know that going into it. And I think that maybe like when we do the second album, I think I'll be a little bit more open to like writing songs that, you know, that aren't singles, you know, that aren't, you know, like that. And I just, re- we really pushed ourselves to write because circles did so well. And it was like, we don't have circles, you know, like, and it needs, you know, we just wanted to do that. And I feel like yeah, that it was, a, it was a learning, it was a learning experience for us. I'm curious, like, what, what's your favorite song on the album? What's the one that you think, you know, has the most kind of like potential to be that big hit? Um, I think the reason why I went with Composure is because it's kind of like all of our favorite. And I feel like that was the reason why we went for the first one, our first single. Um, but I personally love Siamese Souls. So that's my, my favorite from the album. And uh, that, that's like the intro track. How did that kind of like, you know, when you were working on like the sequencing and stuff, how did that kind of like uh, factor in? I think it's because of the beginning of the song kind of starts off with the acoustic guitar. It just kind of like, and it kind of like then all comes in. So I think it just made sense for that to be like the first song. It just felt epic enough for it to be, to be the first. Something else that really caught my eye um, when I first, you know, found out about the band was the, the cover art for self-care. And it, like, not just the design, but like the style and like the, the detail of it. I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit about the, the creation process for that. Yeah. So um, I kind of had this idea of like, you know, having any like embroidered like look for like the album artwork. And I kind of like the whole, when we had the whole concept of like self-care, it was like, we wanted it to feel, we, want, we wanted the album to feel homey because you know how, how like honest it was. And like, so we wanted it to feel like safe and homey and, then we kind of had like this idea of like, you know, like when you go to your grandparents' house and they've got like the embroidered like um, cushions on the couch and like, you know, like the, like the blankets and like the whole like woolly, like embroidered, like that whole look like of like, you know, handmade art, you know? And I kind of like wanted the album, like I wanted, I think the whole like thing of the artwork is to make the album be like, this is handmade. Like, you know, there's so much thought has gone into this album it's, you know, it's practically handmade. So we wanted to convey that, you know, in the artwork. And um, our friend who, like, is, like, also, like, she is, like, two of us heaps. She's a photographer. Her name is Georgia. She, um, she like, had started doing, like, em- like embroidery like embroidery work and I think it was, cro- yeah, cross-stitching and all that other stuff. So we asked her if she wanted to do – she did the Afterglow artwork for us as well because she's, like, re- she's super arty and she can just do everything. So we were like, do you want to like embroider like the album artwork for us? And she was like, yeah, that'd be great. And then we kind of explained to her like what the album was about and like what we wanted it to look like. And we had like all of these different like, in, like all these different like things that we wanted on it, were, like flowers and like, you know, like I think at one point we're talking bees and like what is it had all like these different like ideas that we wanted. And then she kind of came up with the concept of like a heart hugging itself and then kind of like having like flowers growing out of the veins. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's it. That's the one. So then she started, she started making it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's really like the simplicity, but the detail of it is something that like really stands out. And I love the way that also like kind of flows over onto the CD artwork and how you have like the patch with along with the first hundred pre-orders and everything. Um, can you tell a, bit, a little bit about, you know, just kind of like that eye for detail? Yeah, I think, you know, it was really important for us to keep everything, like, very cohesive. Um, I love it when, like, you know, you see a band and, like, they kind of, like, know, like, how they want to look and, like, how they want, you know, how they want to be perceived and 
So and I, like, you know, we definitely, we definitely like experimented with that with, like, with Afterglow. I feel like, you know, when you, when you release an album or an EP, it's like, it's the whole package. It's like the band, the artwork, the visuals, the music videos, like everything to be the same. And, you know, to, like, you know, really give people like that experience is like really important. So, yeah. And so with like things like the patches and like, what else? Like we, um, I'm trying to think of what else. Like, yeah, like all, like all the artwork, like inside the album, even the back of the album is actually, um, so the front of the album obviously is like that, like embroider, like embroidery heart. And the back of it is actually like a, a picture of the back of the art. So you can see like all the, like the threads that like having like pulled behind, behind like the, um, like the fabric. So it's like this messy kind of like the back of the work. I think it's really cool that like if you actually had that like piece of art and you turned it over, it's exactly what it would look like. Yeah, I I haven't hadn't seen that packaging, but like I, I love the idea of that. That sounds so cool. <laughs> we wanted like I think yeah, we want people to be able to feel things. When people want people to like to look, you know, see things and to really like you know, I think I like I love the concept of like of the artwork. So I think you know we just want to like you know use it as much as possible and really just like take the most of it. Yeah, definitely letting it shine on its own for sure. And I feel like just in general, Australia kind of, from what I know, this, this, there's like a handful of bands that I follow from down there. Um, and I, I feel like you guys kind of have a little bit more of like a foundation for than the U.S. does as far as like pop punk bands or alternative bands kind of having a pathway towards, you know, a, a little bit more recognition and mainstream, mainstream success and stuff. And um, especially with like things like Triple J and stuff. I'm curious, like, could you tell me a little bit about what it's kind of like, the, the scene down in Australia? Uh, the scene's always been really good. Um, I, I cannot complain. I mean, we're very lucky. You know, like you said, like Triple J, like we get a lot of support from Triple J and we're so grateful for that. I just, yeah, like I miss, I miss touring because it's, like, you know, especially last year, like I felt like it was such a strong year for local bands. It was such a strong, like the past two years, was such a strong like 2018-2019 there was so many shows so many festivals like there were festivals popping up but like didn't exist before um there were so many like it's so much work for like so many people for the first time in so many years uh, music was really live music was really like you know definitely taking like you know it was definitely becoming stronger like in the whole pop punk scene um so it's kind of sad that you know this year has gone the way that it has because I don't know what it will look like when everything goes back I'm hoping it will look the same but I think that I, I'm not. I'm not too sure why you know Australia has had such a good, a good go with bands. You know, being able to you know to do things. And I, I really, I, I can't tell you why. I mean, we're very far away from everything, and which means everything is a lot harder to do because you know we're a small country. It's more expensive to fly places. Um, everything is elsewhere. I just, I, I honestly just think that it's because that there is on uh, the scene is getting stronger. I like to think that um, it gives lots, lots of bands like a opportunity, opportunities to play. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, but I, I can't tell you why else. Is there like a, a strong community there? Is it, is it community based, or is it like more like bands kind of, you know, working on their own? Yeah, I would say it's, it's a really good community. Um, just because it's like not, like I said before, there's not that many cities, so. You know, there's maybe like four main cities and there's, a, you know, there's some bands in each of them and everyone knows each other, like whether you play pop punk or whether you play hardcore or something like that, like most, most people know each other. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think that in that makes it, you know, such a good community that, you know, 
everyone's very supportive of each other. And I think that's, you know, I think it's probably what, what makes it so good. And I guess the, the obvious question coming off that would be like, what are, what are some of the bands that you've been really digging that uh, you would you'd want to shout out? Um, hmm. Our friends in um, Danford tomorrow stuck out. Um, Terra, um, you know, there are, you know, a lot of other really, really good bands like Eat Your Heart Out, um, Red Hook, The Dead Love. Um, there's just like, I'm just trying to like, I'm literally just naming every single band I know from here. But yeah, no, there's, there's, there's a lot of really, really good um, Aussie bands and I think the community is really good here. And I always like to just kind of wrap up by um, asking for either like a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about, um, you know, whether it's about music or like life in general, um, just something that you kind of wanted to share. Um, I think that in the past couple of weeks, I've learned um, to stop, stop waiting and stop, you know, thinking about um, when things will happen and kind of just enjoy the journey on the way. I think that especially with this whole coronavirus thing, just waiting for it to be open, I mean, to, to be over and for the world to open up again, um, I just have to stop waiting. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, have to kind of just like, you know, take the time and just, you know, appreciate, appreciate a little bit of a journey. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that, you know, you've kind of been learning that over the last couple of weeks, because it seems like that's been a lot of what the band's been about kind of the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think the longer that we wait, um, you know, it's just going to be harder. And I feel like the past couple of weeks, like waiting for the album to come out um, and just like waiting for everything to, you know, to go back to normal. I feel like the more that I'm, I'm sitting on it, the more that it's kind of like messing with my head a little bit. So I think I'm just going to try to stop thinking about it. Hell yeah, we did it. Definitely check out yours truly and self-care if you're in need for some new pop punk banners. And if you want to stay in Australia, why not go back and listen to the episode 6 of Fly on the Call with Bugs. Funnily enough, they released an album last year called Self Help, and it was one of my favorites of 2019, so they're definitely highly recommended. Fly on the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at findthecallpod at gmail.com. Remember, you got this. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.